A sincere expression of gratitude to our esteemed patrons. Lynn from Massachusetts, Heather from New Jersey, Chelsea from Utah, Kate from Massachusetts, Margie from Connecticut, Courtney from Massachusetts, Amber from Idaho, and Stephanie from Massachusetts for their generous monthly contributions. Their support fuels the engine of our investigative endeavors here at Wicked Wanderings. You too can become a valued patron and unlock a realm of exclusive content by supporting our mission for as little as $3 a month. Your contribution sustains our commitment to delivering high-quality content. Visit WickedWanderingsPodcast.com and click on the support tab to join the ranks of our dedicated patrons. Your investment not only keeps our podcast thriving, but also ensures that you are at the forefront of our intriguing discoveries with bonus content only available for those patron subscribers. Thank you for considering this opportunity to deepen your engagement with Wicked Wanderings. Your support is paramount in enabling us to continue our journey into the realms of mystery and true crime. And now back to the shit show. My great-grandma Nellie had big boobs, <laughs> and I think that's probably where I get it from. Yeah, right. But now, that's what we call boobs, is Nellie's. Really? <laughs> yeah. They're, they're Nellie's. They're not That's boobs. what she went down in history for. <laughs> yeah. Good old great-grandma Nellie. Hannah, how's your Nellie's? <laughs> Honey, that's for a later conversation. That's for our Rated X podcast. Bounce, bounce, bounce. Hello, Wanderers. I'm Hannah. And I'm Jess. And this is Wicked Wanderings. Hello, Jess. Hello, Hannah. Are you ready? Born ready. I love me some mental health. Ready to talk about Nelly? That, <laughs> I thought that would rhyme, but that doesn't really rhyme. Your voice is very sultry. <laughs> yes, I do, Hannah. Please talk about Nelly. Please talk about Nelly. I've been listening to too many audiobooks with Joe Arden, so... Oh, my if you know you know (laughs) sigh so i am taking a break from the book mad america because Mm -hmm. i found this book on tiktok of course and it is called 10 days in the madhouse and it's all about this woman called nelly bly and her story and she wrote it and it's a very short book very very short but it's her article also can i just say that i am so happy that you went down a little rabbit hole. I did. So I'm not the only one. <laughs> I couldn't pass it up. It gives it me up. joy. I couldn't pass it up. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think it's a well-known book and or no. story. And she's very it's inspiring. Oh, inspiring. Yes. Okay. Because she was a woman in 1887. Right? And she was a investigator journalist from the world's newspaper. And they asked her to go undercover to Bellevue Hospital in New York. Wow. Yeah. So she was like ahead of her time, really, yes. for women. Yes, mm-hmm. I think so. First, I just want to say how fucking amazing it is that a woman, not even the turn of the century, was asked to do this. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Maybe it was because she was would be believable as insane. And I also bring that up because it's like, <laughs> if this was a man, yeah, would he be have such an easy time, right? Yeah. So let's talk about Nellie Bly. Nellie Bly was approached to do this piece by her superiors. She then asked the obvious question of, how will you get me out? 
right? <laughs> Which I is mean, a very good question. Right? You're not going to leave me there, right? And the response she got was, I do not know, but we will get you out if we have to. And we'll tell you who you are and for what purpose you feigned insanity. Just only get in. So I was dropped. Get in. We'll get you out. Wow. Very trusting, Miss Nellie. Yes, I thought so, too. And Nellie began to practice being crazy. She watched herself in the mirror and the mannerisms she had to make sure she was playing the part right, (laughs) which I was like, I tried to imagine that. Yeah. In this part of the book, she did make the point that when she was in the asylum, she did act normal. So she acted all crazy to get in. And then when she got in, she acted normal and she was still left in there. And people said she was crazy. Which I think that was really? interesting. Yes, interesting. Which I thought was an interesting point to make. So I will be quoting from the book. Again, it's called 10 Days in a Madhouse by Nellie Bly. It's a really, really short book, but I was really inspired by the reading. I think it's totally worth to pick up, especially if you have a reading goal and you want something that's nonfiction. It's a nice short book to read your reading goal. I have two more books to reach my 50 book goal for the year. I'm so proud of you. That's why I've been busting out the audiobooks. <laughs> anyway, as you were. So I will be quoting from the book, but I will let you know when I do quote. So here I am going to quote. Sorry. (laughs) I know that was a lot of like, you're going to quote and here I quote. (laughs) I love you, Hannah. It was a long week at work, guys. (laughs) Words, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But here, let me say one thing. From the moment I entered the insane ward on the island, I made no attempt to keep up the assumed role of insanity. I talked and acted just as I do in ordinary life. It's strange to say the more sanely I talked and acted, the crazier I was thought to be by all, except one physician whose kindness and gentle ways I shall not soon forget. I just thought that was really interesting. So she acted normal and was assumed that she was crazy because she was acting normal. Makes sense. Yep. She knew she would have to leave her home behind, so she decided to enter a temporary home for single working women. So she left her home behind. She found a house that took in women that would pay to room and board there, basically. So she made herself look like she was, quote, dreaming and, quote, far off expressions, like kind of just like dazing out. She was told by the woman in charge of the home that she would have to share a room, which she was excited for because that person could report back of her being crazy. To get other people to think she was crazy, she'd call other women in the home crazy. So she'd be like, that woman's crazy. That woman's crazy. And kept (laughs) saying how sad she was during mealtimes and social hours. The other women began to be scared of her. Okay, I kind (laughs) of get that. One woman, a Mrs. Kane, said she would bunk with her and showed Nellie kindness. So she was supposed to bunk with this other woman, but they were so petrified of her. They're like, I don't want to sleep with her. Like, she's scaring me. So this woman, Mrs. Kane, was just very nice and gentle. She's like, I'm just going to show this girl kindness. Which, in the end, she felt really bad afterwards that Mrs. Kane had to deal with her like this because the woman was trying to be nice. And Nellie's like, oh, my gosh, I have a job to do. So this poor woman's Mm -hmm. dealing with this. Nellie stayed up all night staring at the wall to cause unease in the room in the house. Nellie says (laughs) that she totally went with it. Yes, she she did. Nellie says that while some women were afraid of her, others would tease her and poke at her with questions and statements to get her riled up. One thought I had during this part of the book, which is kind of what you brought up, Jess, was would a man have had such an easy time being labeled as crazy? Mm -hmm. Probably not. Probably not. Right. In the morning, the women of the house decided to have the police called and Nellie was brought before a judge that then made the final judgment she would be heading to Bellevue. She then was checked by doctors who then checked her tongue, checked her pulse and heart and her pupils. One of the doctors was convinced she was using Belladonna. Really? Yes. 
Did they check her for a teat though? You no know, no teat. Mm. No, That's they rather check her tongue, which I'm not following the tongue thing. Mm-hmm. I kind of understand the pupils because you can see if someone's on drugs, I guess. And the pulse and heart rate, but the tongue thing, I wasn't sure about. Hmm. She met other women that were being sent to Bellevue. And one woman said she was sick from overwork. I think I fall into the category. I was going to say, like, (laughs) a lot of women do. (laughs) The nurses tried taking money from her because they said that others would take it from them anyway. So you might as well just give it to me. Nellie had several doctors look at her and one even asked if she was a woman of the town. So like a hoochie, yeah. a prostitute. Yeah. Nellie said, quote, I felt sure now that no doctor could tell whether people were insane or not, so long as the case was not violent. Terrible sleeping conditions. Food was cold and inadequate, and the heat could not be turned on, to on until October, which I'm thinking like, oh, that's fine. But I'm thinking of the type of buildings they had. They probably had no insulation, and they are on an island in the middle of Manhattan. So it must have been with the sea and everything. Mm-hmm. It must have been pretty cold. One girl stated she was there for nervous debility. And in my research, this could be caused by stress and overeducation in the middle class. (laughs) Yeah. So send me to a (laughs) mental asylum because yes. Nellie was then put on a boat to Blackwell's Island with the other women. Nellie said, in comparison, how much easier would it be to walk to the gallows than to this tomb of living horrors? Mm. That was deep. Deep, Nellie. This woman is deep. Nellie observed a woman that did not speak English and could not plead her case of sanity. Nellie says, and I'm going to quote from the book, but here was a woman taken without her own consent from the free world to an asylum and there given no chance to prove her sanity, confined most probably for life behind asylum bars, without even being told her language the why and wherefore. Compare this with a criminal who was given every chance to prove his innocence. Who would not rather be a murderer and take the chance for life than be declared insane without hope of escape? Can you imagine that happening to you? Like going to America, thinking you're going to get a new life. Yep. And then you get put in that shitty place. Right. And you have no control. Oh, my God. And there was actually another woman in the book that she brought up that, again, didn't speak much English. And I guess she came to the asylum because she liked men too much. And so I mean. the nurses would pick and prod her and be like, do you want that doctor? Do you like that doctor? And she would just say yes, because I think in her head, she was like, yeah, he's a nice man. And they're like, well, you can't have him. Like they just would taunt her and she'd be like, I don't know what's going on. Mm. So I just think it's so cruel. So it cruel. Is. Meals were every man for themselves. One woman stole from others and wolfed down their portions. Showers were gang style where women had no dignity, but were treated like cattle. The nurses would scrub roughly, and even the women that were sick got ice-cold baths and shown no compassion. They were told they were receiving charity and should be grateful for what they got. <sighs> they shared towels as well, so if any woman had blemishes or something worse, it was shared through open sores on the face or elsewhere, probably. Gross. They were given walks around the grounds, but some group of women were chained together and not given freedom to roam. Why? <sighs> I don't know. I mean, they're on an island, so there's not really many places you can go right they just wanted to be dicks yep douche canoes i'm going to quote i asked some of them to help tell how they were suffering from the cold and insufficiency of clothing but they replied that the nurses would beat them if they were told so they weren't they they knew they couldn't talk about anything were the nurses women 
Yes. So these women were just being bitches to these supposed mentally. In- Ugh. And Nellie says, as I passed a low pavilion where a crowd of helpless lunatics were confined, I read a motto on the wall, which said, while I live, I hope. The absurdity of it struck me forcibly. I would have liked to put above the gates that opened to the asylum. He who enters here leaveth hope behind. Mm, that's depressing. I just feel like Nellie got it, man. She. Nellie's usually do. Yes. So another part to this is that she said to take a perfectly sane and healthy woman, shut her up and make her sip from 6 a.m. until 8 p.m. on straight back benches. Do not allow her to talk or move during these hours. Give her no reading and let her know nothing of the world or its doings. Give her bad food and harsh treatment and see how long it will take to make her insane. Two months would make her a mental and physical wreck. I mean, a day for me. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> right? No books? Maybe two, right? No, no books? books? <laughs> Nellie watched us staff treated these women like a sideshow entertainment. She said, at this, I saw Miss Group. First of all, her name's Miss Group. Sit down on her. She sounds like a bitch. I know, right? Sit down on this woman and run her cold hands over the woman's face. Old woman, by the way. And down inside the neck of her dress. At the old woman's cry, she laughed savagely, as did the other nurses, and repeated her cruel action. That day, the old woman was carried away to another ward. Mm. Like, what the fuck? I think that there is a special place in hell for those nurses. Seriously. This is just... And I hope that's where they all are. Getting that shit done to them. Fucking Putnam's. Fucking Putnam's. They're probably (laughs) descendants. Probably. (laughs) Sounds like the Puritan thing to do, just saying. And again, with the treatment of the elderly, she talks about this woman, Miss Grady, who said, Shut up, you hussy, said Miss Grady, as she caught the woman by her gray hair and dragged her shrieking and pleading from the room. She was also taken to the closet and her cries grew lower and lower and then ceased. The nurse returned to the room and Miss Grady remarked that she had settled the old fool for a while. I told some of the physicians of the occurrence, but they did not pay any attention to it. Of course they didn't. During this, Nellie was trying to gather as much information as she could. She was not sleeping as the nurses wanted, so they wanted to give her a sedative. She Cocaine! Not- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> she would not take it, so they brought the doctor. She would not take it for the doctor, so he threatened her with the needle. She decided swallowing was better than a needle because she could still get rid of it by swallowing by throwing up. Ew. No thought on that? Great, let's move on. <laughs> well, I was going to com- make a swallowing comment, but I decided not to. So, Another first-hand account was of a woman named Mrs. Cotter, and she said, The remembrance of that is enough to make me mad. For crying, the nurses beat me with a broom handle and jumped on me, injuring me internally so that I should never get over it. Then they tied my hands and feet and throwing a sheet over my head, twisted it tightly around my throat so I could not scream and thus put me in a bathtub filled with cold water. They held me under until I gave up every hope and became senseless. At other times, they took hold of my ears and beat my head on the floor and against the wall. That's horrible. And they pulled out my hair by the roots that will never grow in again. Mrs. Cotter here showed me proof of her story. The dent in the back of her head and the bare spots where the hair had been taken out by the handful. Like I said, special place in hell just for these nurses. This is like a different kind of heavy. Yeah. (laughs) So for some of the people, they injected so much morphine and chloral that the patients are made crazy. And she says, I have seen the patients wild for water from the effect of the drugs and the nurses refuse it to them. 
I have heard women beg for a whole night for one drop and was not given them. I myself cried for water until my mouth was so parched and dry that I could not speak. Which makes sense because a lot of those pills do make you mm-hmm. extremely dehydrated. Women got in trouble for speaking their grievances to the doctors that would come by about how they were sane or the state of the accommodations. The nurses would give them shit afterwards. The women were instructed to remove all clothing, fold it, and place it before their door and then enter their room where they would sleep, which I don't understand why they had to sleep naked. Right? Yeah. I Sorry. So many thoughts were going That's on right. in my head That's trying okay. to figure out like what nasty person made that rule mm-hmm. and what angers me Nellie did only 10 days at blackwell but i'm sure it felt like an eternity oh i'm sure she said the insane asylum on blackwell's island is a human rat trap it is easy to get in but once there is it is impossible to get out i had intended to have myself committed to the violent wards which were the lodge and retreat but when i got the testimony of two sane women and could give it i decided not to risk my health and hair so i did not get violent sorry Shit. i thought no <clears throat> Well, I have a question, but I feel like you're going there. Nellie was brought before a jury to state her sanity, who she was and why she did it. Because of this, a sequence of events took place. They went back to Blackwell Island without informing anyone they were coming. Somehow they did find out an hour prior to the arrival or met by some men in power. So like there was a doctor and I think a lawyer, she said, that ended up showing up. They admitted the food was not great. They could not speak to how often the water was changed for baths and how they needed better doctors that were actually competent. When touring the kitchen, salt was seen in barrels and the kitchen was actually clean. So they had time to make it look nicer. The disturbing part was most of the women she met and became close to, though she heard all their stories, were gone. They were either transferred, sick and dying of paralysis, or with family, supposedly. Mm. It is really hard for me to believe this and how convenient all of this is. But I will say that Nellie did something brave for a person of her time and being a woman at that. So how did she get out? Did they she got just, her. Oh, yeah. they went in and got her. Yeah. Okay. So in the book, well, really, it's it's her newspaper article. But she stated that uh, she was told by it was either the nurses or the doctors that she her people came to pick her up. And um, then she just had to go before a jury and say, OK, no. Really, my name is Nellie Black, and she gave a mm-hmm. synonym. And uh, she said, this is why I did it. And that's why the jury is like, well, we want to go and, and look at this place now. And then went over there. Whoever that mole was that warned them. I know. Needs to be, be with those nurses in hell. And she did want the jury to see these women that were living in these conditions and they got to talk to a couple of them, but all of a sudden all these women on the ward are gone. Conveniently. Conveniently. Mm -hmm. Very, very sketchy. Mm. So I'm curious how this changed Nellie afterwards, because you can't go through something like that and not be changed. Yeah, for sure. Because yes, it was a project. Yes, she was undercover, but you think about even cops that go undercover. Yeah. They, experience very traumatizing things so mm-hmm. i can't imagine how it affected like her, her lasting life effects did right. i say anything in a no mm. no there's um one more part i have to read but it, like the end of her story is done but it's all about uh, i think it's miscellaneous articles that she wrote she wrote yeah mm-hmm. but they have pictures of her in here from like 1888 to 1922 it was it was very very interesting. Hmm. 
I really, I really gave her props for what she did. Yeah. I wouldn't have done that. So I know it was a shorter episode, but. No, it was very I feel like we had to talk about Nellie. I'm sorry. I'm still laughing. <laughs> Every time I hear Nellie, my great grandma Nellie. But yeah, thanks. That was, I've never heard of it. It sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. But I don't think I, I don't know, but it was a really good story. I don't think I could have done it. So way to go. God, no. And then I tried looking up Blackwell Island. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's there anymore. Mm. Even the building because I I could be wrong, but I looked it up and I couldn't find anything because I was like, Ooh, next time I go to Manhattan, I would love to go over to see if it's still there, but I don't think it's there anymore. Mm. That's sad. Yeah. I mean, not sad. Yes. That building should be destroyed. (laughs) Yes. Ew. So that I, just makes me angry. Sorry, I keep interrupting. No, keep no, no, you're fine. You're fine. Um, so yeah, I'll probably have one more episode for mental health, and then I don't know, take it from there. I feel like it's just an ever morphing podcast. It's just you know, we're winging it. Yeah, we're winging we're it. Pulling all of this out of our ass. I would like to do like a poll or something to see what people's favorite episode is. That would be. I mean, we I could just, just look at the views. Yeah. Well, that's I guess that's true. So, yes, Rob. I was going to say, people can email us at wickedwanderingspodcast at gmail.com. You can email us and let us know which episode is your favorite. And also, if you have any recommendations for episodes. Yes, please. Yes. I was actually thinking about that recently. Mm-hmm. If... You have a case that you want us to do a story of, an episode of? Email us. Yeah. And let us know. Wickedwanderingspodcast at gmail.com. Because we'd love to do them. Yes, we would. I have had a few. I mean, obviously, the one we just recorded. And we have one coming up that was semi-suggested through your family, right? Yeah. Our next episode will be a very personal story. Yeah. And it will be our first remote. Yes. Long distance. I'm really sad. Because you're not going to be in the room. I know. I'm going to have to swear in front of my sister, (laughs) even though she listens. (laughs) She listens to the podcast anyways, which is awesome. My sister, Heather. uh, Heather? Yeah, she's the oldest. Oh, nice. All right. Well, thanks, y'all. Have a most wonderful Christmas, everybody, to our wanderers. Merry Christmas. If you celebrate it, Merry Christmas. Yes. If not, I hope you enjoy the day off if you can. Yeah. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. And we did not need this sing along. <laughs> Love you, mean it. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening today. The show wouldn't be possible without our amazing producer and editor, Rob Fitzpatrick, who works tirelessly behind the scenes to bring you the best content. And a special thanks to Tyga Soundprod for providing the captivating intro music. Cinematic Intro 24. And of course, we can't forget the hauntingly beautiful outro music, Rhino's Theme, composed by Kevin McLeod. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a rating and review on our, your favorite podcast platforms, like Spotify, Apple, and YouTube. Your feedback means the world to us. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram for behind-the-scenes glimpses, updates, and more thrilling content. You can find us at Wicked Wanderings Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and being part of our Wicked Wanderings community. We appreciate each and every one of you. Stay curious, keep exploring, and always remember to keep on wandering.
Get ready to rock your style with Wicked Wanderings. Introducing our brand new merch. Cozy up in our Wicked hoodies. Or flaunt your vibe in our sweet ass t-shirt. Join the Wicked Wanderings crew, explore the mysterious, and head to our merch store now. The link is in the show notes below. 